0: It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all, they're fixing to get real. I'm Stacey Tresenkos.
1: And I'm Stacey Farquharson. Happy Friday. woo It's September the 30th, the last day of September, and this is the 15th episode of Season 2 of the Stacy and Stacy podcast, and we want to thank you for listening to us, and we also want to remind you that we are here every morning, Monday through Friday anyway, at 8 o'clock, just in time for your drive to work. So we're going to start with a quick prayer, and then we do a short scripture reflection and a current topic discussion. And uh, you can join us, join in on that discussion by messaging us on Facebook or go to our website at stacystacy.site and you can contact us from there. And today is uh, the Memorial of St. Jerome. So we're going to Talk about him for just a second and then we'll do our scripture reflection. And then Stacy is going to talk
0: about and Stacy, what do you Stacy, <laughs> the other Stacy yep. is going to talk about um, based on the scripture reflection, to talk about the hierarchy of truths. This is a concept again, you know, a lot of the things we choose to talk about are things that we struggled with too, that we just want to clarify and, and explain to you the hierarchy of truths kind of confused me because i didn't understand um what that meant like are some things less true than others no that's not what it meant, it meant. and and the development of doctrine so we want to dive into that it's in the catechism um and it and as we're going through our life today trying to figure out what does the church teach um, I think it's important to know because a lot of us are are humble and obedient and we want to do what the church teaches, but sometimes yeah. it's not all that clear. So I think it's important to understand what we mean by hierarchy of truths. Hierarchy <laughs> Over to good. you, Stacey. I That's can't talk. <laughs> okay. Let's start with our
1: quick prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your guidance when we don't have the answers we know you do. We thank you for loving us and we thank you for helping us. And uh, we just thank you for you this morning. We thank you that you are such a good God and that you love us. We would be lost without you, Lord. We ask that you open the eyes of our understanding, that we would comprehend the scriptures and that you would give us uh, fresh eyes to see you with and ears to hear what you have to say to us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 And just like I do every morning, grab read your Bible. Bible,
0: spend some time with the Lord today. Stacy yes. says,
1: read the Bible. Yes, read it. <laughs> so uh, like I mentioned earlier, today is the Memorial of St. Jerome, priest and doctor of the church and uh, probably best known for the Latin translation of the Bible known as the Vulgate. And when I uh, looked up some information about him it says it took 30 years to complete that so that was a huge undertaking
0: that
1: is um i actually went to catholic.org so if you want to read the article there you can but something that really um, just jumped out at me that was interesting that i wanted to share he was born in 342 342 so That was pretty close to the time, but just a few hundred years uh, after Jesus was here. And there was at that time a dispute going on. It didn't tell what it was, but he wrote to uh, Pope St. Damasus. And this is in quotes, and this really jumped out at me. And he said in this letter, my words are spoken to the successor of the fisherman, to the disciple of the cross. As I follow no leader save Christ, so I communicate with none but your blessedness, that is, with the chair of Peter. For this I know is the rock on which the church is built. This is the house where alone the paschal lamb can be rightly eaten. And I remember when I was coming into the church, I searched and searched. I wanted to find as many quotes as I could. Um, on the Eucharist, on the succession, on all of the, you know, hard issues that I was trying to wrap my mind around. And this says the chair of Peter. This says alone. This is the house where alone the Paschal Lamb can be rightly eaten. So that really jumped out at me. I loved this quote and I'm going to hang on to this. Um, He is also the patron of Bible scholars and students. And like you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will be calling on him, asking him to pray for us. <laughs> it was his love and knowledge of scripture that led him to say, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. So
0: is that one um, of your quotes that you that you keep? You got that from him. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And I've uh, heard you say that.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Happy St. Jerome Day. The the responsorial jumped out at me today and probably because of St. Jerome and his love for and study of the scriptures, because it is all about God's laws, statutes, words, commands, ordinances, decrees. So I'm going to read this. It's out of Psalm 119. And the response is, Lord, teach me your statutes. How shall a young man be faultless in his way? By keeping to your words. Lord, teach me your statutes. With all my heart I seek you. Let me not stray from your commands. Lord, teach me your statutes. Within my heart I treasure your promise that I may not sin against you. Lord, teach me your statutes. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the ordinances of your mouth. Lord, teach me your statutes. In the way of your decrees, I rejoice as much as in all riches. Lord, teach me your statutes. So. The first verse, how shall a young man be faultless in his way by keeping to your words? Mm-hmm. That makes the words of God pretty important, because even though none of us can be perfect, this is going to give us an advantage Because it says, if I keep your words, it will help me not be perfect, but faultless in his way, it says. The footnote in my Bible that I was reading says, the love for God's word is love for God. And it's expressed in the attitude of our heart, in our actions, and in our words. And that made me think that, you know, people will know who we are and whose we are by the fruit we produce. If a tree produces apples, well, we can pretty much assume it's an apple tree. Our fruit is is telling, um, good or bad. We produce good fruit when we stay connected to God. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We can't produce that good fruit on our own. And this footnote footnote really spoke to me because uh, love for God's word is love for God reminded me of what Jesus said in John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You'll do what I ask you to do. I know this to be true. I know it to be true because the more that I read and study the word, and I love scripture. I do. I have always loved scripture. But the more that I read and study it, the more he reveals to me, the more I feel like I get to know him. The more that I read and study the holy scriptures, I I just, the more I discover how much he loves me. And in turn, the more I love him, it's, true that we love him because he first loved us. And my love for him grows. The more I want, the more I read, the more I, I, I want to read. And the more I get to know him, the more I love him. And, and the more I want to live according to his word. The next verse says, with all my heart, I seek you. Let me not stray from your commands. The Bible tells us to seek the Lord. It says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually." well, how do we do this? One way might be pray, read, praise, repeat. When we seek him, we will find him. That sounds like my shampoo bottle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wash, rinse, repeat. No, it's good though. There's a cycle to it, a pattern.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Just keep knocking. That's it. Just yeah. keep asking and you it will be given to you. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open. We just have to pursue. Um, within my heart, the next scripture says, Within my heart, I treasure your promise that I may not sin against you. And that kind of reminds us of the first scripture. How shall a young man be faultless in his way? Keeping your words. It's so important that we do this, that we hide them in our heart. Um When we read the Bible, we find so many promises in there from God. Sometimes reading the Bible is like going on a a treasure hunt and and we find eternal gems. And I like it when it says treasuring the promises of God in our hearts, because it makes me think of of guarding them, guarding those promises that God has for us and, and valuing them. Like when we value something, we guard it. When we put the trash out at night for the trash man, we don't sit out there all night guarding it. We, we don't care about it. We don't watch over it. We go back in. We go to sleep. We sleep like a baby. But when we value something, we want to protect it. We want to guard it. And the promises, treasures, revelations, those sweet hugs from Jesus that we get in scripture, we need to value them and guard them. We think about it over and over, ponder them in our heart, like Mother Mary did. We talk about it, share it with others. We hang on to it so that when we go through tough times, we can hang on to that. The promises he gives us also help us not to sin against him. He gave me a scripture hug one time. I was going to, um, I was actually going to. A scripture hug? Yeah. I
0: love that.
1: Yeah, hug. I was going to the church one time uh, for some counsel oh. many years ago and I was at a red light and I had never done this before and I've never done this since, but my Bible was in the passenger side and I was sitting at this red light and I looked over and opened my Bible and I was reading in Jeremiah, I was reading Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, that one that says, I know the plans and purposes I have for you. It's a very popular scripture, but I, I said to the Lord in the car, I want this. I need to know. I mean, I was pretty in a, in a pretty low point of my life and struggling with some things. And I was just saying, Lord, I need to know that you have a hope for me, that you have a future for me, that this just isn't words in your Bible, that this just isn't generic. I need to know that you have a future and a hope for me. And I was crying out to him. And, and um, I said, I said to him, I want this scripture for me. <laughs> I said that. So we get to the count. I, I get to the counseling session and it, it went fine. And I'm picking up my Bible and my purse. And the lady that I was visiting with, she was putting all her stuff together. And she goes, oh, I almost forgot. The Lord gave me a scripture for you guess what it was? That one. Jeremiah 29 11. Oh my gosh. And I was like, oh Lord, you just gave me a scripture hug. Thank you. And it's like, I feel like that's my scripture. It just means so much to me. So I do say it a lot and I know it's a popular scripture, but it, for me, it's, it's, it's mine (laughs) because I asked him for it. Yeah. So it, it is a treasure. It's like an eternal
0: gem that the Lord gave me. Scripture's yeah. just so alive for you, Stacy. I love how you're always saying the scripture just jumped out at me. This really spoke to me. And because yeah. when I'm reading, I don't I don't have that. Like I don't things don't jump out at me. I'm like, oh, thank goodness I under I kind of understood that. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. beautiful though. No, I I can see how it's so alive to you. That's something um to aspire to, to emulate. Yeah, I you know that it tells us that I guess it's because I've just been,
1: you know, in my life, I have been so down Mm -hmm. and just you've been been hurt dealing with. Yeah, a lot. And there have been times where I just literally and literally feel like I'm I'm weak, I'm tired, I'm, I'm just beaten down, just like battle weary right yeah, like I'm yeah. just fighting and I just am running out of you know energy and and I have picked up the Bible and, and been reading it and literally feel like my shoulders go back and my head come up and I just feel like he's strengthening me and and so that scripture that says the, the word is alive and active I just mm-hmm. really feel like sometimes and I mean not not every time that doesn't happen every time but but sometimes you know I just feel like I get filled up when I'm reading the word and it strengthens me. And, um, and I, maybe
0: that's why I love, I love scripture so much, but. It's beautiful. No, I, I appreciate that because I read things like a chemistry book. I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand. And I I never really think about reading scripture in the way that you do as it leaps out, but I do now because of you, but (laughs) (laughs)
1: well, thank you. it, It goes on to say, blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the ordinances of your mouth. And I just want to learn all I can about God. And and yes, that all about God's church, all about God, all the rules. And, and some people say that the Catholic Church has so many rules. Well, it <laughs> does. It, it really does, you know, especially for us converts. It, mm-hmm. it really does. But, okay, so let's get to know them. Let me, mm-hmm. teach me. Let me know. I want to understand them. You know, my kids are grown now, but... Young mothers need to know what the rules are so they can teach them to their children. Mm -hmm. They need to understand that the rules are there to protect them and their children, not to bind them, but to free them. Exactly. I mean, of course, there are rules. We're taught by society, I guess, to hate rules or that they're restrictive. But, you know, there's there's entire ad campaigns directed at empowering people to do whatever they want, whatever feels good. Right. No, no, no. You know, let those of us who love God and love the Holy Scriptures say, Lord, teach me your statutes. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen.
0: (laughs) Amen. I mean, you always say rules without relationship leads to rebellion, but you have such a relationship. And like, if we love God, we want to know what God wants us to do. And uh, these rules, you know, I've been studying in my philosophy class about relativism and i mean it, it is such an absurd concept when you think about it but the problem is a lot of kids today a lot of young people today just a lot of people period don't aren't never were told to think about it so if you try this ask somebody sometime what do you think about morality um, are there absolute moral truths or does everyone just make up their own you know i've asked some of my kids this And there's this perception among young people that, well, everybody just decides what their own morality is. And when I converted, I said, I told my husband, I said, I need a moral code. And by that, I don't mean I want to go make up my own moral code. I realize I can't make up my own moral code because I'm not quite sure what problem I'm trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, And I was willing to learn the rules of the church. But relativism says every individual, every culture can make up their own moral moral code. They can make up their own rules of morality and there should be absolute tolerance. But obviously, I mean, you can see right away, there's a problem with that. Because if I say, I think abortion is wrong and someone else says, I think abortion's right, well, we got a conflict. And the solution to me isn't to say, well, you do you and I'll do me. um, Because that doesn't work. And, And anyway, like the refutation is, if you're going to say that everyone should be tolerant of everyone else's moral code, you're saying that like it's a moral absolute. (laughs) Therefore there can't be, I I could say everybody has to mind my rules and that's my moral code. And then we've got an insurmountable problem and the only way to solve it is by, by force, the powerful wins. And that's not freedom at all. So um, I thought that was profound learning about it. And, And that feeds into our desire to know, what God teaches.
1: Yes. So
0: that, so I, so I learned when I was studying, I mean, that's me. I'm like, I, RCIA did not tell me enough. I still don't know. I I need, I, I learned a lot, but I need more. And uh, that's what led me to start studying theology back in 2010 and, you know, back studying philosophy now and you're studying scripture at the university of Dallas. It led me back because I want to know what God says. And here's what I learned. Okay. I'm studying dogmatic theology. I'm like there with my pencil and my paper that first day. I'm like, okay, tell me the rules. Just tell me the rules. Let's get this done. I'll finish Mm -hmm. it all right now. Just tell. And what I learned is the church even though we have something called the magisterium, which is the teaching arm, and even though we have dogma, which sounds really sure rules, really hard and fast rules, even though we have that, the church also guides us with this beautiful living doctrine. And I was so confused. I'm like, what do you mean? If the truth doesn't change, what are you saying? It changes? The doctrine develops over time. It changes. Like, I don't get it. Why can't you just give me my checklist of rules and I'll follow them all? And and I learned that it's not that easy. And I hear Catholics all the time telling people the same kind of idea that these are the rules the church teaches. I'm telling you what they are. Now you do what I say. And what they're really trying to do is take power for themselves.
1: Mm -hmm. They want to be
0: right. And we got to guard against that. What the church more does is guards dogmatic truth. So there's dogmatic truths, there's teachings of the church, there's theological opinion, there are uh, less certain truths. And then and those less certain truths are things that we increase our understanding of. So we as we increase our understanding of them, the doctrine develops. The truth never changes. Our understanding as we apply it in our moment in time in our lifetimes, does change because we don't know everything. So the cat so mm. I don't want y'all to think I'm making That's- this up. The Catechism has it's in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, sections 88 and 90 say this: dogmas are lights, lights along the path of faith. They illuminate it and make it secure. Conversely, mm. if our light is upright, our intellect and heart will be open to welcome the light shed by the dogmas of faith. So that, that's like, that's like me. I'm, I'm like all in. I, my heart's open. Shed that light on me. Let me have the light so I don't have to wander around in the dark. I want the lights on my path. I want that freedom of being able to see where I'm going, you know, because right. you're not free right. if you're walking around in the dark. Right. It goes on to say, I'll read this next part because I think it's important. The mutual connections between dogmas and their coherence can be found in the whole of the revelation of the mystery of Christ In Catholic doctrine, there exists an order or hierarchy of truths since they vary in their relation to the foundations of the Catholic faith. So to unpack that a little bit, because I was like, what? Like This sounds like I've got to do some thinking. Um, and, And we are talking about prudential judgment. We're talking about how the doctrines are applied in your time and place. You know, if you're in doubt, go talk to your priest. That is by the principle of subsidiarity where you need to go first. Um, But a dogma is this. Dogmas are doctrines. So first, let me back up. A doctrine just means a teaching. The word doctor comes from that word. It's Latin. It means to teach. A doctor means one who teaches. So doctrines are teachings. Dogmas are doctrines, but they are more specific and directly connected to divine revelation, connected to what Jesus said. Other doctrines radiate from the certain dogmas. As theological understanding increases over time, doctrine is developed. And so that's the logical flow that the hierarchy of truth is referring to. And I can give you an example because that's a mouthful. Mm Mm-hmm. The doctrine of the Holy Trinity, it's another one of those things I knew about as a Protestant and I, I didn't care about as a non-religious person, a nun. But it was beautiful becoming Catholic. The, the revelation of the Holy Trinity, we never would have figured this out on our own. You wouldn't have sat around long enough and figured out God is one and triune, that God is God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. We don't, we never would have figured out. There's nothing reasonable about that. It's reasonable to believe it because God told it to us. Christ revealed it in the scriptures. And I had to learn all the scriptures, Stacy, that prove the doctrine, the dogma of the Holy Trinity. So this was directly, Christ came to this earth and that's one of the things he came to tell us, this concept of many persons, one God. And, And so when the church teaches then, so this is not a dogma, this is a teaching. When the church teaches that marriage is indissoluble, that true sacramental marriage cannot be dissolved, you cannot break that bond. It is a reflection of the Holy Trinity. Just mm-hmm. like God, the father and God, the son together as one substance spirate forth the Holy Spirit. We pray that something like that in the creed. You can't break God. You can't break marriage either because of that communion, that two become oneness of sacramental marriage. You can't break it. You can work within it and solve your problems, but you can't break it. You could get a civil divorce and go to the other sides of the earth, but that bond did not get broken you could be sinning that bond wouldn't get broken. So once you have a sacramental marriage, that's it. That is a new a new creation and it, it is not going to be undone on this earth. Mm-hmm. But you've got to understand you've got to be able to understand starting from the dogma of the holy trinity why that flows down like the the indissolubility of sacramental marriage doesn't make any sense if you don't know about the Holy Trinity. Does that, does that make sense, Stacey? My yeah. Mind. And
1: it's beautiful and it's powerful. And I love that. I love it when you talk uh, about marriage and the Holy Trinity, because it's, it's just
0: beautiful. It gives and, me a lot of hope.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, as, as Protestant, you know, I knew that our marriage on earth was a reflection of um, the relationship between the father, son, and Holy Spirit. But It goes so much deeper, and there's so much more. And you know that—that's just I was talking to Pat the other day, and I was like, "Well, I had some truth, you know, I had (laughs) truth." You did. But now there's the fullness. There's so much more. I just love it. I love it. And that's you know, learning. I mean, I really think that the reason that you know God's timing is perfect for everything, and I really think that the timing of me taking this. Um biblical studies mm-hmm. program is now because I am Catholic, and i um I'm, and I, I've said this before, learning it through the lens, but that's so it means so much to me because yeah. i if I had taken this earlier, if I had gone to um, you know study the Bible more deeply as a Protestant, I would still not have the fullness.
0: And I'm just so thankful for God's timing and the beautiful teaching of the Catholic Church. It is beautiful. And it, and it, you know, it does mean we have a lot of work to do because we have to learn what those different levels are. And I just want to, I just want to throw out some more words before we wrap up this week, but um, because they helped me, they helped me like, so there, there are dogmas, the incarnation, the creation out of nothing in the beginning of time, the Holy Trinity, like we said, th- those are Those are dogmas. You cannot deny them. If you deny them, you're not being Catholic. (laughs) You're not supposed, you can't, you can't deny them. They're truths. They're hard truths that Christ told us, that act of belief, like we talked about in a previous episode. But then theologians have names to distinguish the hierarchy of truth. So there are hierarchies. The first one because I like terminology. The first one is called a doctrine is of divine faith. De fide divina in Latin. If it is explicitly found in Revelation, so even even from the hard dogmas, there are wordings that we use to talk about the Holy Trinity. There's correct words like you can't say Jesus is part of the Holy Trinity. You can't say that because it's one. You can't you can't imply that it's got parts. It's all one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's specific ways to talk about it, and those those are found explicitly in Revelation, um, and they're the certain. The certain the most certain dogmas, the highest certainly, directly revealed in scripture and confirmed by tr- the tradition. So we have scripture and tradition in the church, the teaching of the church fathers. Um, and so that would be like the fall, the old testament, the covenant. So those are, like I was saying, a d- divine, um, de fide dogmas, the highest certainty. It is of divine and catholic faith, de fide divina et catholica in Latin. If it has also been formally defined for belief by the church's magisterium, so what does that mean? If look in an encyclical, look in the catechism; those are things formally defined by the church, can't be denied either. Um, so they're, they're from they're from divine revelation, but they're also formally defined by the church. The church, actually speaking of rules, defines as few dogmas as possible because the church doesn't want to overstep the bounds like you don't if, if this is absolute certainty you need to have few things so so the things that we have to believe as catholics they're all found in the creed if you're wondering what those are pray the creed in mass that's it mm-hmm. um and so we know what those are um then th- there are some called propositions that are close to the faith fide proxima these are opinions that are held unanimously by the church's theologians and bishops and cardinals, and regarded as revealed truth, but not defined as revealed. So, so when there are things that the church believes um, and the theologians agree with, even though even then they're kind of like, well, we we gotta we gotta think about this some more before we formally divine it. So again, it's the human understanding that is increasing, not the truth that's changing and And then, so those are Fide Proxima. And then the last one falls into this big category of theological opinion or judicial prudent, um, prudential judgment. <laughs> I got it backwards. <laughs> and that and that's where a lot of the arguing among Catholics comes from. I know we were in that argument a few weeks ago about, um can you attend an invalid wedding? Is it a sin? Well, it depends. So the church is—that's why I kept saying the church is not going to rule on this as a defined dogma of the church because it—it is one of those things that varies by situation. It's not situational ethics. Like you shouldn't—you shouldn't tell someone to turn their back on on God, obviously. Mm -hmm. But there are situations that make it okay. Might be okay to attend a wedding if, 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 and if, if you decide that that's the way to lead someone to Christ, and that's where, you're, if you're in doubt, talk to your priest. You don't need to listen to people on the internet because they don't know your situation and your life. You need to pray, discern. Can't discern without praying, and and talk to your priest if you're in doubt. But there's a, an enormous amount of rules that are just left to theological opinion, and a lot of people don't realize that. So a lot, what a lot of people do on the internet is nay and even in real life they take their understanding of a theological opinion and they decide that is what the church teaches and nobody can disagree with me or they might, you know, like go to hell. And you got to watch out for that because that's not actually how dogma works. It's a lot harder than having a checklist. that was a lot of information Stacey but that's Thank you what we so got much. that's what we got okay but it, it is um, I love it it's part of the rich tradition that we have and like Stacy yes. was saying earlier we can read the old ancient church fathers all the way back from the time of Christ the apostles the church fathers mm-hmm. to um, to deepen our understanding of these things it's a yeah. rich tradition
1: it is it is I love the Catholic church
0: me too <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess we better wrap it up today. I've said all I can say. I'm getting ready. <laughs> uh, but, but thank you for letting me go through that.
1: Okay. No, I love it. I love it. Right. I love listening to you. Okay. Which one well, are
0: you? I am. Oh, let's get it right today. Okay. <laughs> I'm Stacy Farquharson. I'm Stacy Trisankos. Until <laughs> next time.
1: <laughs> if you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see Stacy and Stacy.site for more information.